worshipped, so they said, the great old ones who lived ages before there were any men, and who came to the young world at least. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 29 of the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast. I am your host, Nate, lost in time and space, and I am joined with this evening. I am the man from Lang, host of the Whisper in Darkness YouTube channel. I'm Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. This is Nathan with uh, Arkham Horror Images of Madness on Instagram. Nice to meet you. Hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does feel like we're meeting Vase again for the first time. It's been a while. It's been man. forever, forever. I uh, I hope you're doing well now. It's nice to uh, nice to finally have you back on the show. Yeah, things are getting back to normal. It's still you know slow going, but we're easing into stuff. The wife and I. You know, s- speaking of Vase, I got a lot of um, interesting. I guess the right word is hate mail from our listeners. Saying that I should stop picking on Vase and I scared him away and he wasn't on the last episode. They said what? he's just trying to do his country proud. You leave him <laughs> and his machete alone. He's busy with Carolyn and Father Mateo doing something. And I'm like, you know, I get that. Oh, man. So, on behalf of everybody that wrote in, I'm sorry. Vase, you're awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Nate. <laughs> of course. Now please stop emailing me, everybody. Yeah, I, I had a whole I had a whole list of Mateo jokes that have just gone. Uh, have been useless. All my best material has been wasted on these guys without you, Vase. So <laughs> it's probably the part I'm I, I missed the most. Last Here's the Mateo comments. The, the Mateo bashing. <laughs> it's really the sense of camaraderie that brings the four of us together. Isn't he like an S tier gator? He is. Oh, no, it's tear. I'm sorry. Emotional damage. No, actually, I don't have a problem with it myself. Five experience, and you get to say, you get to sing. All around me are familiar faces, worn out. At least once a game. So FYI, things have gotten even better for Mateo as the taboo list has been uh, released because he's the only investigator who can start with Renfield. <laughs> <laughs> Very topical base. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a valid point, I guess. How are you doing, Nate? Oh, I am. Uh, I am now back on the school grind myself, so life is going to be busy for the next fifteen weeks. But it's going well, and I'm also working part time and getting ready to uh, do my senior project before I graduate. So back at back busy at school. So I haven't had much chance to play Arkham, but I have been playing a little bit still with Matt and uh, Codab Games. Uh, we've been playing through Cyclopean Foundations, and I've been playing this pretty neat Norman deck that uses uh, both of his signature cards to be able to like manipulate both the encounter deck and his deck to be able to do Alyssa Graham shenanigans. It's, it's been fun. And yeah, apart from that, I've just been busy with school and playing a little bit of games when I can, but, um, oh, I've also been running Masks of Naralethotep, too. I started 
started that a couple months ago, and we we're we're now pretty deep into the New York chapter, so that's been fun. Um, what about you, Man from Lang? Unfortunately, I have been uh, very busy of late with uh, children heading back to school and uh, homework and stuff like that, extracurricular activities. So I have uh, been trying to get in uh, Arkham where I can, which is uh, unfortunately not uh, not all that often. There, I am uh, running a contest for the uh, the Scarlet Keys. I'm giving away two copies of the uh, Investigator expansion. So if you uh, want to pick yourself up a copy for free, make sure you uh, enter that contest if you have not done so already. I'll probably be giving away a copy of the uh, campaign expansion uh, as well once it is uh, closer to release. Yeah, I think I'm I'm sort of just getting myself uh, mentally ready for uh, the release of Scarlet Keys, which will uh, really ramp things up on the channel, both with uh, hopefully a playthrough as well as just the card reviews that will uh, take some time, especially with the release of the customizable cards that have uh, that are basically seven or eight cards in one. So it's gonna. I think we're still trying to figure out the best way to approach those. Yeah, when when we figure that out, we'll let you know. Uh, and when when you say playthrough, you mean playthrough of Edge of the Earth, right? Because you still have yet. To- <laughs> yeah, no, I still, for whatever reason, I still have not played through Edge of the Earth, but uh, I am hoping to squeeze in that campaign before uh, Scarlet Keys officially is released. So I'm still curious to hear your thoughts on it. And from language, so you do play it. Oh, I will definitely share them once I. Uh, I was actually almost set to to do it this morning, but then uh, things got in the way again. So, cross my fingers, things will uh, ease off a little bit here. And I think the summer is always tough, especially with the the change in the release model. Uh, I know back before when. You know, we had product announcements basically every month and then the release of a Mythos pack every month. So there was a lot to talk about. And uh, and now, not so much because uh, the only I think the only announcements we had between uh, the release of Edge of the Earth and the Scarlet Keys announcement was basically that they were reprinting Dunwich Legacy and Path to Carcosa in campaign expansion form which while that's new it's not exactly uh, fresh territory to uh, to talk about to talk about so crossing my fingers that uh, over the next after scarlet keys i know they've got a uh, some sort of bank heist scenario in the works i'm hoping that uh, we'll hear more about that who knows maybe they maybe they have uh They'll have some more releases. I know that they recently hired Nicholas Corey from the Mythos Busters over at uh, FFG to help them work on designs. And I think I know why they hired him, too. I think they want him to do the sequel to Barkwich Horror. <laughs> Barkham Horror? Or Barkham Horror. Uh, the Barkwich Legacy, sorry. Barkwich Legacy. Yeah. Uh, so I I think it's it's actually a really good thing for Nicholas Corey to be on that side of, you know, of the community now. Now we need to get Beard um, on that side of the community, and then we'll have oh, all the Oh, hell yeah. Haters. That would be awesome. Can you imagine? Yeah, they I would mean, be just, winning. 
Yeah. I mean, they come with the perspective of, you know, being on the on the side of like being a player in, of the game, being part of that of that part of the community. And now they're designing. So I think it's like a fresh perspective for the company. So I think it's his input's going to be invaluable to FFG. I think it's much different than, you know, someone new that comes in from, you know, from school that's studied design, game design or something like that. Like someone who's actually played the game specifically and was part of the community, very highly involved in the community. I think it's a really, really different perspective that's going to come to FFG. I think it'll be such a good thing for the game. Yeah, and it's not like it's his first time designing a scenario or anything like that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not what I meant. But I mean, in addition to being good, right, 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 he needs to know what he's doing. No, I'm just saying, like, in addition to all of those other credentials, he's also like designed a really great scenario. On top of that, prior to his job at FFG, so for sure, yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see what they start putting out. I mean, his stuff probably won't... The parts that he's involved in probably won't be out until, like, late next yeah, year. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll see them at some point, which will be exciting at, at, uh, when that does eventually happen. But what have, uh, what's you been up to, Nathan? Um, Been doing my job, working with uh, medical delivery in real life. Very exciting stuff, not trying to brag. Uh, other than that playing a lot of games. Matter of fact, my schedule this week is awesome. Tomorrow I'm playing Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion. Monday I'm going to movie trivia and then playing Endeavor afterwards with friends. Tuesday is my double Arkham Knight. We are doing Innsmouth and I am doing uh, The Spy, Trish Scarborough. Really interesting uh, character. Wednesday I'm playing Carnival Zombie 2nd Edition and having dinner with some friends. Thursday, I'm playing more games, maybe Bunny Kingdom. And then Friday, I am doing some board games at my house, maybe Brass Lancashire. So, yeah, that's my schedule this week. Oh, and side note, I did wrap up the Whatever the Cost campaign. I don't know if uh, anyone read all of those. Uh, the storyline was pretty, pretty sweet, ended pretty dramatically. Uh, a lot of people participated, had community involvement, uh, friends of the show wrote in. Maxine wrote a, a response. We had some responses in there. So thank you to everybody listening that participated in that. And uh, I just posted up in all the Arkham groups links to the uh, 27th HP uh, Lovecraft Film Festival. So no matter where you are in the world, you can stream it. Tons of fun. I just love all the shorts blocks, but they also have feature-length movies as well. So enjoy. I'm curious, Vase, because you've been, um, you know, you've been busy with life and all that other stuff. What, um, what about Arkham has has you here? I guess still. You know, I I still love the game. It's it's great. I think I think FFG is definitely trying to hear the community. I mean, the changes they made this year. Um, Although not super perfect, uh, I think they were a step in the right direction. There's still work to do, you know, to get things kind of on track, but they're they're trying, and I think that the community is still, you know, as solid as ever. You said they heard the community. Is there a certain aspect that you are referring to? Well, yeah, I mean, 
when they when they do things like you know recently they put out the taboo list and things like that that that's not just them saying you know continuing to play test because they're busy play testing the stuff that's coming out next year you know that's them hearing the community and people saying hey this card needs a little bit of work this card needs a boost this card needs to be toned down a bit you know so they're definitely at least trying that um there's definitely other companies that don't necessarily that they're there's other companies that are a little too reactive after things blow up in their face i think ffg is a little more proactive when it comes to that at least for this game i'm not, i have no idea about their other games but at least for arkham horror for sure but you know that's not the only thing that keeps me there obviously <laughs> what, what keeps me going with arkham is you know lovecraftian lore is just fantastic like you said nathan uh we're, we go every year to the to the lovecraft film festival i'm just i i just love everything about cosmic horror and this game is the perfect delivery of cosmic horror yeah it's what it's what keeps me going i mean of course sometimes you have to take a break you know and like for me specifically, horror is an escape, but also sometimes things happen in life that kind of, kind of can affect your perspective of horror and specifically certain types that are a little bit more realistic. You know, sometimes you just have to take a break from it for a bit, but it doesn't mean that you don't want to still be a part of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I, I can understand that, you know, it's like... Horror is a very visceral experience, and sometimes it's kind of sensory overload. Well, um, I mean, we've we've talked about it a, a little bit already, but um, the 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 taboo list was recently updated as of what was it? Uh, August 30th, I believe. Uh, yes, August 30th. And with it came a whole slew of changes, uh, mostly mutations to uh, a lot of Edge of the Earth cards, but also some some other cards, uh, m- namely Mystic cards and Seeker cards. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's surprising, the Mystic cards. But, you know, after we talked before the show, and I kind of understand now, <laughs> some of the reasons for some of, for one in particular, but missed uh, seeker cards. That's no surprise. I mean, it is what it is. It's kind of par for the par for the course of this, right? But we do see some nice changes to cards that refer to symbols. Getting getting a bit of uh, text reworking so that they say non elder sign or non auto fail symbol instead, which is nice when you're want to play with Bless and Curse tokens or you're playing Edge of the Earth and you want to maybe deal with uh, Frost tokens or something like that. You know, this can be... These changes can be helpful in that regard. Uh, we saw a change to Lola Hayes, which I still won't play Lola because it's still way too confusing. <laughs> I hear that from people. It's like, oh, this is interesting. No. Nah. Not catastrophic. Oh, Matt had plenty to say when we had discussed the uh, discussed the taboo list on on the Whisper and Darkness channel. Um, I think the long and short of it was that it sort of allowed you to play Lola like a like a more normal investigator, whereas before you really had to like play around Crisis of Identity. Whereas now, now you can sort of play into it and not 
feel like you're going to be absolutely wrecked. Yeah, I think it takes away some of the the mental overhead that you had to to play with when you played Lola. She's already pretty challenging to play with the role switching and then having crisis of identity layered on top of that is is a lot to deal with for one investigator especially as the scenarios have gotten or if you're playing more complicated scenarios with a lot of triggers or things to remember uh, that would be uh, even more challenging so it's nice that they basically made it like as long as you have a card in your hand of whatever role you happen to be in, you're safe, which is as long as you have cards, you're probably OK. So that's a, that's a nice change. Yeah. And it was like particularly devastating because there was two of them in your deck and now it doesn't feel nearly as bad, which is great. And then they gave her the other safety valve of being able to switch a role as an action, which um she wasn't able to do before and doesn't provoke yeah so she's able to you know switch her role once per turn and then she can also as an action you know get the emergency switch as well which is which is nice oh what's the what's the name for the sign of the cross that they changed signum crucis yeah so in the campaign that i'm playing in i'm playing insmith and one of the other players is playing that and because it's now zero XP instead of two. And two of us were playing with Faustian Bargain. So we were starting to get a bunch of curse tokens. And I swear to God, he must have put in over the course of the game like eight. He's playing Silas. But he put in eight of the blessed tokens because of that card. So I was like, damn, this card's keeping us uh, out of out of hot water. Yeah, I, I think at zero XP, the card is pretty good. If that's like what you're trying to do with it, yeah, we were having a good time with it. Yeah, I, I've I enjoy that card. I always liked the other iterations of these cards too. They're not very good, but I've always had a bit of a soft spot for them, admittedly. And then they changed uh, right of equilibrium, which I'm sure everyone uh, everyone after reading that name is like, oh, what does this card do? And we even reviewed this card a couple weeks ago, and I still don't remember what this card does. <laughs> don't do drugs. But, you know, looking at the Chained and Unchained list, what really surprised me initially was the the two Seeker cards getting plus two experience. I was a little surprised because I remember when we had reviewed Jeremiah Kirby, we weren't super high on him. Which, which one's he again? He's the one that lets you, um, when you enter his play, you choose odd or even, and then you reveal the top five from your deck, and you add all of the chosen uh, cards with the chosen cost. Yeah, so the last campaign I played in was the fan-made Dark Matter, uh, which I highly recommend to every listener. Uh, it was nice, dark, Carcosa in space, and we played Scooby-Doo characters which was phenomenal. Um, but the person playing Velma, the Seeker, played that card and had built their deck to be odd or even, so every time they played it, they drew five cards. And I'm just like, that's really good. Yeah. yeah. You just have to build around it. Yeah, somebody mentioned in the in the comments uh, over on the Whisper in Darkness that they had played Jeremiah Kirby and had done basically the same thing. I can't remember whether they had gone even or odd, but then they had 
combined him with calling in favor so they could do it multiple times per game, and it got pretty ridiculous when you're when you're draw five, bounce him back to your hand with calling in favors, play him again, draw five. You know that. Like we like we'd talked about, I think if you had if you were playing him in a deck where you had a mix of even and odds, he's fine. You're gonna draw like a couple cards here and there, and he's he's perfectly fine. But I think we've all been playing these card games long enough that if a card basically says, you know, you get something for even or odd people are just going to go even or odd they're not going to they're not going to mix yeah and then the other card was uh Jeanne Beauregard which I have yet to actually play with but I mean it seems good but I always I always naturally compare this card to Lola Santiago and I just wonder if those two cards are on the same power level I don't know like I honestly don't know well obviously the uh the designers don't think so and I know I there were some comments on that one as well that uh, people who had played Jeanne a lot had uh, had said that uh, she's definitely better than Lola is, but I can't uh, confirm or deny that. Perhaps when I play through uh, Edge of the Earth, I'll have a chance to uh, to test her. And I think the other major change is to Mandy. So Mandy is now uh, no longer a modular deck size. She just has a deck size of 50, and then you have to include three copies of her of her signature and a copy of her weakness, and then everything else is as normal. Now, why do you think they changed that? That is pretty big change, actually, for her. Um, my assumption is that they're trying to hamper down on the... Uh, the old sleight of hand Necronomicon deck with Mandy. <laughs> uh, but, like, that deck has now been nerfed into the ground with this taboo. <laughs> oh, man. It's, Is it ever? <laughs> I mean, there's Mandy, there's uh, sleight of hand, there's Mr. Rook, there's, uh, you know, uh, Necronomicon itself, Knowledge is Power, etc., etc. You know, like, Pretty much half the deck is on the taboo list at this point. Yeah, I think it's I think it's basically designed to try to rein in, like make her deck size at least large enough that her ability isn't quite as impactful. But I don't know if it'll have any real effect on her. Yeah, I, I think at this point, like once you start considering the taboo list, you're at a point with your your collection and I think your your skill as a player in this game that you build your decks with enough redundancy and good targets that, you know, a deck size of 50 with Mandy is really not a big deal at all. You know, some people even like take that all the way to 11 and then they include everything like versatile and forced learning and make like an 80 card Mandy deck. Jesus. <laughs> I try to remember exactly how much is the max. Cause you can have 50 plus forced learning plus ancestral knowledge, plus two versatile, so that's 10, plus an additional 15, that's 25. Uh, yeah, you could have, yeah, upwards of an 80-card deck. Be pretty gross. Just, like, walking around your Arkham games with a commander deck. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. 
I'm going to bring yeah. Mandy out of the command zone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, other than that, I feel like these these changes were were really solid overall. They they definitely addressed a lot of the cards I think a lot of people had issues with in Edge of the Earth, uh, particularly like Eon Chard and uh, the Prophecy of Profana and Cyclopean Hammer, I think, were were solid additions to the taboo list and I am a little disappointed with Renfield, but I understand why he's there. It's it's kind of what we were talking about before the before the show. R- Renfield was not a problem until now. So that's a clear indication that the problem is not Renfield, but the card that turned him into a problem. What was her name? Amina. Amina. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like like Man from Lang had mentioned when we had um before we had started recording was that like any really any investigator that wants to do doom shenanigans, I think Renfield is just gonna be a problem at that point. Or really like anything that leverages doom in some real capacity and they sort of makes Renfield a problem. Cause he's he's really just like free resources and he's so cheap. Yeah. But but you forget, Nate, that Renfield was around in a time where mystics really needed the resource generation. He was really the only answer because you had expensive spells. I mean, you know, shriveling and a couple others that were like four. And then you still had other things that you had to play because mystics were so reliant on their assets and their assets, just like guardians who are reliant on their assets, but mystic assets were so much more expensive. You had to have some kind of answer for that. And Renfield provided that. And I know that the Mystic card pool has expanded to the point where it's not as bad as it used to be. But Renfield costing 3 XP kind of really hinders a lot of other Mystics. I mean, look at Akachi, right? Now with Renfield, she really relies on spells. Spells with charges. I mean, now that Renfield costs 3 experience, what's Akachi? How's she going to pay for these spells? There are a few other resource generation cards that she can play, but... She's a straight mystic. She she has no other class that she can play cards for. So a card as important as Renfield for mystics that now has become prohibitive for the first few scenarios hinders really nerfs an investigator like Akachi. Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you mean. It is it does kind of feel like you're taking the baby out with the bathwater kind of a deal. But I don't know. I don't know. Like Renfield is certainly fine i think when you when you just play them normally but i'm sure in these doom decks like with amina it is oh it's it's insane it's absolutely i just i haven't played with him in her but just reading the card i think we can theory craft pretty accurately what will happen <laughs> but... yeah i mean you do get to play renfield for free and then have a doom on him when he enters play and then use his ability for free and then generate your resources because you had the second doom on him. Yeah, I mean that that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean overall they're 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 solid changes. I I like seeing the taboo list because it's always nice to kind of see at the very least like what the designers have their eye on. You know, if if nothing else, it sort of gives you a a perspective of where where the designers are looking at in terms of like how they feel the card pool is overall. Uh, They did mention that 
the taboo list doesn't hit every card that they have their eye on, so it kind of leads me to be questioning what other cards that they they sort of have their sights on. Modular cards. I'm, I'm curious, it seems like a couple people here in channel are poo-poo against modular cards. Do you just wish they didn't exist in general? Do you feel it's too complicated for the game? Because I have no problem with them. It's going to add replay and give you a little more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Variety. No, not just variety, but it's going to give you more autonomy so that you feel like you're piloting. I mean, don't get me wrong. They don't need to be in the game, but I think they'll be interesting, if nothing else, to try out. It's cool they were trying to design something unique and different. But you say that like they've already failed. No, I, I mean, it was kind of tongue-in-cheek when I mentioned uh, modular cards, because I hear some of the community talking about the modular cards being a problem. So, in a way, it was tongue-in-cheek. I personally... I'm withholding judgment until I play them, like legitimately withholding judgment. So I don't think they're a bad thing at all. It was it was more of a joke than anything. But that said, I have heard many members of the community, you know, I've been lurking. I haven't been as involved talking, but I've been lurking. And there have been discussions about the modular cards. And of course, I'm sure the designers knew for sure that it was going to cause a stir and discussion because when you make something that big of a, of a, of, of a left field turn from the, you know, core game, then... I think that it's going to cause some, you know, some people to kind of take a step back and go, whoa, what are you doing? Overall, I think it does add maybe unnecessary complexity, but at the same time, I like that they're trying something different. So I don't want to discourage the designers from keep, you know, from keeping on doing what they've been doing, which is constantly trying new things that are really unique. Well, this is where you, the listener, can write in. Carolyn Fern, the botanist, is uh, who you're writing to. Share your thoughts on modular cards, and uh, Vase will pick somebody to send some to. Um, so I know Man from Lang. I, I don't know if you wanted to reveal your your initial thoughts on it. I know you're also withholding judgment, but curious because I know you you've kind of looked at them a little bit more than I have. Yeah, I I assume they'll be they'll be fine. Yeah, I just uh, personally, whenever I look at them, I just uh, I find them kind of exhausting. I look at, you know, the main card and then I look at this wall of text on the other card and I'm just like, I I lose interest in reading it all <laughs> and trying to figure it all out. I'm sure there'll be combo cards that I that I play with. For now, I just find it kind of, it just doesn't really, I guess, maybe I'm just getting old. I just... I kind of look at them and I'm just like, oh, this like I have to like read all of this text and then figure out what I want to spend my experience points on and the different combinations. And, and in some cases, the cards like have blanks that you have to fill in with like write in this trait or write in something and then keep track of that. And and I don't get to play multiplayer all that often, but I. I sort of just imagine myself going to an event like Arkham Knights and being and sitting across from people who are playing these cards and and me, you know, if they're just playing the main card, I know what they've they've got. But, you know, you throw the whole customizable thing on top of that and it'd be just like, okay, so which version of this card are you playing? You know, it just 
just feels like a lot. That's all. You know, coming from maybe uh, a board game background, because I play games that have 400, 500 possible options on the table, without exaggerating, like Twilight Struggle is uh, very intense with analysis paralysis possibility. Hadrian's Wall solo game has a ton of things. What I've done with things like you're saying that have a ton of options and could overwhelm you, I'll just look at the card quickly, look at the things that look interesting. I'm not going to min-max it, but I'm going to be like, yeah, do this or this. And when the time came up to do the experience, just write a note or whatever the case and move on with my life. Like, I don't sense it being a hassle. But, I mean, that's where it's going to be interesting, right? Because as they say, they have X amount of play testers, and then as soon as the cards are released, they have thousands more than they've ever had in the lab. So, I mean, we're going to get a really good sense of how the the public feels about them. Well, I suspect that, you know, what's going to happen is that these cards are going to see play here in the next month. People are going to quickly work out what the best options are, and that will become public knowledge. And so the, the whole customizable aspect of them will almost vanish, I think. And they'll be like, if you are playing this investigator with this customizable card these are the options you're picking and to do otherwise would to be yeah but that's a mindset because there's combos out there that are broken right there's combos with um key of yes and what's the one double or nothing and all those things that they had to ban because so many people were abusing them i've never looked at them once i don't know any of the combos same thing for these versatile cards. I'm never going to read anybody's comments on them. I'm just going to play what I want to play. So I think it boils down to mindset. But the people that want to look for those are going to find them because that's all they care about is min-maxing. That, you're not wrong on that, Nathan. But I think also, I think maybe with cards like that, there's three types of players. There's the players that, like like you said, board game players or players that are more casual that are going to be like, oh, cool, this looks interesting. Let's just pick it. And they don't care about min-maxing. And then there's, you know, the hardcore, the min-maxers, like Man from Lang was saying. And then there's going to be the people that just aren't, aren't going to bother because they're they're going to be like, okay, this is too much and I don't want to deal with it at all. And they don't even want to make the choice. I think of this kind of like one of the, one of the mechanic or type of mechanics that work best in a digital format. And I know people are going to go crazy. <laughs> I'm not saying the game should go digital. That's not where I'm going with this. Um... But, you know, like if you're playing digitally, you make your selection and then the computer remembers it for you. Right. And then when you play the card, it's going to remember your selections. And it's so much easier to deal with from a digital perspective when it comes to remembering the the choices you made instead of writing down on the card or whatever, like Man from Lang was saying with the blank spots. Of course, that that is a separate thing from the min maxers, because that has to do more with remembering what the card does and keeping track of all these things min maxers don't necessarily care about that they already know what option they want to pick so they already know what it's what the card is going to represent whereas the casual player may also remember but there are players that are just not going to want to bother and i think a digital uh a card like this works better digitally and it i don't know that it's necessarily when a card is this complex if it's necessarily something that you know a tabletop gamer is going to necessarily want overall it it reminds me of Dungeons and Dragons Fourth Edition. You know, it's one of those games that works perfectly in digital format, and it almost feels like the designers worked it 
to become a digital format because, oh, if I was doing this, then I get a plus one. But if you were doing that, then you give me a minus one. And all those things you have to remember on one roll, it's a pain in the neck. But it works great when it a computer's tracking all of it, you know? So I feel like the modular cards are kind of in on that same on that same level. What about you, Nate? What do you think? I much like Man from Light, kinda look them over and then I go, huh. That's neat. And then I move on. I don't really have an opinion on them. I guess I just feel sort of indifferent to them. The the thing they kind of remind me of is I guess it's just my sort of visceral reaction to them. And maybe it's just like if they had maybe a few less options, I would be more amenable. But I think it's just, you know, when you're dealing with seven or eight different options on a card, plus the main card, it can be maybe I'm just overwhelmed by them. But it sort of reminds me of uh, my approach to, to cards like Versatile and uh, what's the one from Edge of the Earth? Um, in the Thick of It where those types of cards like basically say you can play virtually any card in any investigator or any card in this, you know, you you build a with the case of in the thick of it, like you build the deck and now you can consider not only the level zero cards, but all of the one, twos and threes as well. And I just want to play. I don't want to have to like, I often just find like, okay, I have enough trouble making my way through all the level zero cards. Now I've got to, you know, look at the level ones, twos and threes as well. And I just, I'm sort of like Nate. I'm just like, I don't want to bother with that. Yeah. So, so maybe from a design perspective, maybe the, you know, those cards is the designers trying to appeal to a different audience. Like you said, man, from like the min maxers, maybe those cards weren't meant for players like us, you know, maybe they, they were specifically made just for that. After all, designers do think about the different types of players, right? Like when we talk about Magic the Gathering, you know that there's cards designed for the limited format, right? So like people that are playing in a draft type of setting and they're garbage cards in any other format, right? But they're not necessarily garbage cards. I wonder if they had people that wrote in or that said, hey, we want to have more choices within the cards or... yeah. So, so there's certain people that like that play style, like we were saying, like the cards like Versatile and then the Thick of It and Lola Hayes, where there's so many options and it's almost decision paralysis. But there are players that literally enjoy that type of play style. They love figuring out the puzzle and solving it. And maybe they just put these cards out as a kind of like, hey, let's appeal to this to these types of players. Let's let's throw them a bone, you know, and then not necessarily for everybody yeah i mean magic like you said magic's done that plenty of times there are tons of commander decks that i couldn't be bothered playing that doesn't mean that i i dislike commander as a format right like it just means i just don't like that particular style of playing commander is all that really means i they're fine i'm sure some people will find them interesting and i guess i'm just not really one of them well, I'll, I will say, like, I'm not quitting the game because of it or anything like that. So, oh, yeah, you know, I have seen those comments as well, where people are just like, well, I'm not buying. I'm not going to be buying the Scarlet Keys Investigator expansion because I just can't be bothered. And I'm, I'm like, 
that's certainly not the case. So yeah, like I can't be bothered to play knife, but that doesn't mean I didn't buy the course. <laughs> now, if knife got a customizable card, that would be something. Ooh, that'd be kind of neat. That would be cool. Like a switchblade knife. Yeah, you but can there's already a switchblade. Yeah, well, that we're, we can workshop the name later. All right, all right, fair <laughs> enough. But yeah, you know, I. I think they're going to be, you know, a lot of people are going to love the the customizable cards. They may not be for me, but you know, I don't I don't hold it against the the designers for making them or anything like that. I I I guess from a from a content creation standpoint, I've found them more challenging to talk about than than other cards simply because you have to there are so many different options that you've got to consider, but I mean that's for most players that's not a that's not a consideration yeah and it's like not only are there so many options but then there's so many different combinations of all those options so it's like yikes (laughs) i don't want to do combinatorics all of a sudden to evaluate arkham cards Nathan, I was, uh, you had posted, I, I have in my notes here that, uh, you wanted to chat about future campaigns we'd like to see in the campaign, uh, in the game. And I was looking through some of Lovecraft's stories, just kind of poking around and seeing, you know, what, what material has yet to be touched on. And we still have yet to receive a dang Cthulhu campaign. I was just about to say that. And I'd really like to see a game do something with the case of Charles Dexter Ward. Because, like, come on. Ooh, that would be really cool. I've been saying this one for years. I think that one would be really cool. And What about the Masks of Narlathep? I remember actually asking Maxine about that years ago. I think it was in our first interview with her, and... She she mentioned something about wanting to do their own campaigns rather than attempting to license things from Chaosium. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was, it was one of those types of deals. I think the Scarlet Keys is going to be as close to close to that as what we get. Oh, yeah, I guess you got the globetrotting element and all that. Yeah, and it's a lot of the locations are kind of similar, huh. so it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. You know, if that's sort of the stand-in. And that's, you know, that's a great campaign to take inspiration from. Like, really, other than that, there isn't a ton of, like, totally connected material. As far as, like, if you wanted to take inspiration from Lovecraft stories. Which led me to thinking about how it would be nice to see sort of shorter, maybe episodic releases. Maybe, like, two or three scenarios at a time that are sort of connected. But not, like, these bigger eight scenario campaigns i could see a long campaign for like a reanimator now that we we're talking about the film festival oh reanimator that's a yeah that'd be a good one too that'd be really cool because then you have like because in in the story reanimator you know they they reanimated a fresher body spoiler alert and it went on a rampage in town right so like they could be the boss of one scenario you know and then you know, little things like then you can have multiple creatures or whatever that swarm you. Like I think, I think there's cool ways that they can 
implement that. I'd honestly like to kind of see, especially from a content creation standpoint, it'd be nice to see shorter campaigns released more often. What is it that you like about the shorter ones? It's more that I can actually play through them in a reasonable time. Yeah, fair enough. You know, I, I think that not every story needs to take that long either. You know, like, it's we're not at the point where we need to, like, you know, pad out Mythos packs for releases anymore. So it's like the stories can be much more modular in length. Yeah, and I think I think we've we've anticipated that they're going to start doing something similar to that in the future. I because they've they've touched on a little bit of of that in the Scarlet Keys, right? Didn't they say like you can kind of mix and match the order in which you take your adventure? Even the Mountains of Madness one, you know, there were. The real story is only really four adventures or four scenarios. The others are like sprinkled in at different times, depending on the decisions that you make without spoiling anything. So, yeah, I think I think they're kind of experimenting with that. And I think they'll get to a point where it'll be kind of like what you're saying. Yeah, and I think it'd be kind of cool to like maybe have scenarios that are sort of designed for like certain XP ranges. So then you could like, at you know, when, once there was like a big enough pool of these hypothetical scenarios that you could like create your own episodic campaigns. So like sort of how like D&D and other RPG modules release scenarios sort of intended for like a certain level range or a certain set of occupations or, or what have you. Like maybe Arkham scenarios have like a certain XP range, like 10 to 19 and... 11 to 29 or something like that. And then you could sort of like build a campaign going from like zero to 30 XP or something like that. I don't know. Be kind of neat. I like that idea. I I think that's something they definitely have plenty of room to experiment with. But no, I mean, I think it'd be really cool if there was a way to string together various bits of campaigns and standalones to make a modular campaign. So, like, you would start at Curse of the Rougarou, and then you'd go into maybe Dunwich and do two of those, and then you'd pull in another solo. But it would not be just a a throwaway kind of, yeah, you can go do this if you want, but part of the campaign. It would have to have special cards that let you segue into other campaigns with a little bit of openness so that, you know, Kind of like how when you go to, is it extracurricular activities? If you go first, first thing, you'll have a different experience than if you go the hours later and you'll have a different experience. Same thing if you go to the house always wins to go to the club. You have a different experience if you do it first. You just to have, have kind of a campaign way to, you know, if you've done this in the first two or three, you know, scenarios, then this happens. But that would be really cool. Yeah, I... I think that'd be cool. I think one way that they could do something like that, too, is maybe have sort of like MacGuffins, sort of like research cards are, you know, these like cards that sort of upgrade over time, kind of thinking of like the relic from TFA, sort of like this plot MacGuffin you're trying to like uncover. But uh, what about you, man from Lang? What do you think? Cthulhu is the big bad in Lovecraft, but many of the games don't actually deal with him per se. It always seems to be like... If they do the Deep One campaign, it's always Dagon and Mother Hydra that are sort of the pro- the antagonists. And so I'd like to see Cthulhu. I'd like to see Shub Niggurath get a uh, get a campaign. 
I think those are the two, the the main two I have my eye on at the moment. I think Cthulhu is one that the community all thinks is coming eventually. <laughs> it's it's what do you say, inevitable, right? anything on the docket for the community spotlight, Nathan? I couldn't find it, but I know that uh, Andresia Garnier from Momo Monstrico is working on the uh, keys that have come out in, uh, was it Innsmouth they came out? Um, but she was making keys and she was designing each of the Elder Gods differently. So using her expertise with graphics and illustration to do something that wasn't quite as generic, but uh, I think that's exciting. I'm looking forward to those go live. They're not already. Other than that, I've got you know my trivia format special for the night. That's gonna just you're all gonna love it. Ooh. Well, do we? Uh, I'm paying in crypto. Do we want to get into it then? I mean, we can. Two hours later. Doom 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 doom. Or however the music goes that we put. <laughs> I just feel like I gotta start it though. Man from Lang. I'm checking my Venmo and my PayPal now, everybody. Hint. They say money can't buy happiness. Look at that. Okay, so here we go. This format is based off of a board game called Half Truth, made by Richard Garfield, who did Magic the Gathering, and. I want to say Jennings was the other person, the longtime winner on Jeopardy. The format itself is pretty simple. I'm going to say a category or a question, and everybody else uh, is going to hear six answers. Three of them are correct, three of them are wrong. Okay? What you're going to do is you're going to decide if you want to pick one answer, two answers, or three answers. If you get one, you get one right. If you get two, you get three right. And if you get all three, you get five points. Does that make sense? Yes. So if I said, and this is not going to be a question, but if I said, which of these things are red, and then I list out tomato, apple, inside of a watermelon, peach, lemon, and something else, then you can write down the answers that you want to go for, and then we're going to check to see how you did. I ate it. Okay. This first one is no shooting gun. So in the pictures for the cards, some of them have guns that are in the midst of firing other ones do not have a gun at all, or the gun is not firing. So here are your choices. A, I'll see you in hell. B, Monster Slayer. So you could write down A or B, C, whatever, if you want to pick these. And you're trying to pick ones that do not have a gun firing. Okay? A, I'll see you in hell. B, Monster Slayer. C, Combat Training. D, let me handle this. E, 
marksmanship. F, warning shot. I'll repeat one more time. A, I'll see you in hell. B, monster slayer. C, combat training. D, let me handle this. E, marksmanship. And F, warning shot. So you're going to tell me how many you want to go for. So, uh, man from Lang, how many do you want to guess? One. Uh, Vase. Two. And Nate. Two. Okay, now this is where we're going to do the honor system and find out how you did. Uh, Nate, which ones did you pick? Uh, Let me handle this and marksmanship. Okay, Vase, what did you pick? I'll see you in hell and let me handle this. Okay, and man from Lang. I picked D. Let me handle this? Okay. Man from Lang, good job. You got a point. Everybody else gets three points. Good job. The answers are, I'll see you in hell. Let me handle this in marksmanship. The next one, no moon. These cards, some of these have moons in them, some of them don't. You want to tell me the ones that do not have moons. Here we go. A, mysterious raven. B, unrelenting. C, gravedigger's shovel. I say D or C. D, take heart. (laughs) E, a test of will. And F, mariner's compass. One more time as a quick recap. A, mysterious raven. B, unrelenting. C, gravedigger's shovel. D, take heart. E, a test of will. F, Mariner's Compass. Uh, Man from Lang, how many do you want to do? One. Nate? Uh, yeah, fucking three. (laughs) Ha! Base? I'm going to go for three as well. Okay, Man from Lang. F. F, okay. Nate? Uh, Mysterious Raven, Take Heart, and Compass. Okay, Base? Uh, Grave Digger Shovel, Take Heart, and Mariner's Compass. Okay. Man from Lang, congratulations, you get a point. Thank you. You're welcome. The answers are Mysterious Raven, Unrelenting, and Mariner's Compass. Ah! There is is a moon, nice and bright, uh, in the graveyard for Gravedigger's Shovel. Take Heart, she's in the alleyway, but you can see a full moon. Test of Will, you can see a moon clearly through the rain. So, good try, though. It's... That's tough. I mean, each of you had at least one answer correct. It just so happened Man from Lang said, you know, the correct one. I like this format. Man from Lang's caught up to us, so that's why (laughs) we did it, Nate. Uh, Man from Lang, let me ask you a question. Are you going to pick one every time And uh, (laughs) because you don't like the format? (laughs) No, the format's fine. I'm just I'm just playing the long game here. <laughs> hey, I don't know what type of a lawn game you're talking about. Maybe bocce ball, but croquet. Here we go. I don't know. I just doubt. I just really doubt Nate and Vase's ability wow. to pick three and get three wow. right answers, especially Vase. I mean, <laughs> Vase has basically got three right answers over the past six months. So <laughs> getting three right answers in one question. That's okay. Well, let's step up to the plate. These cards have no money in the picture. We're going for cards that do not have money. Now, when I say no money, I don't mean chips. I mean coins or cash only, okay? So other things that can represent money like a traveler's check or a poker chip does not count. Here we go. A, Joey the Rat. B, High Roller. 
C, double or nothing. D, another day, another dollar. E, investments. F, hot streak. Once again, these are cards with no money in the picture. A, Joey the Rat. B, high roller. C, double or nothing. D, another day, another dollar. E, investments. And F, hot streak. Uh, Nate, how many do you want to guess? Uh, two. Two, face. Two. I, I kind of feel a little once bitten, twice shy going on. Uh, okay, uh, man from Lane. Two. Ooh, well, okay, here we go. We'll start with Nate. What numbers, or what letters? Uh, double or nothing in hot streak. So you're going C and F. Uh, man from Lang. C and F. C and F for you, Vase. Double or nothing, enjoy the rap. Okay. So, man from Lang, give yourself three points. Nate, lost in time and space, give yourself three points. Let's go. Vase, Joey the Rat is holding cash. So sorry. Fake cash. The answers were high roller, double or nothing, and hot streak. Good try. I thought he was holding money in high roller. High roller, nope. There's no money in the picture. All right, next. You're all doing uh, great. Oh, by the way, let me just pop over here, make sure I got all the right totals. So, man from Lang, you've got one, one, three, five points, correct? I guess. Uh, Vase, I, I didn't know I had to keep track have, of my score, too. Hey, Gee whiz. Shut up now. Vase, you have three points because you've gotten one round correct. Nate, you had three, got another three, you're at six. Does that yeah. sound right to everybody? Yep. Yep. All right. I was having too much fun. I wasn't keeping track. Next. Now, this is a little different because it's not just the picture, but these are cards that do not take an arcane slot. Here we go. Cards that don't take an arcane slot. A, Clairvoyance. B, Curse of Eons. C, Shroud of Shadows. D, Seal of the Elder Sign. E, Seal of the Seventh Sign. F, Shining Trapezohedron. God, that's a fun one to say out loud. Doesn't take an arcane, arcane slot. I'm going to go over these again. A, Clairvoyance. B, Curse of Eons. C, Shroud of Shadows. D, Seal of the Elder Sign. E, Seal of the Seventh Sign. F, Shining Trapezohedron. Vase, how many would you like to guess? Uh, two. Two? Nate? Two. And Man from Lane? Three. Waha. All right, it's on now, folks. So we'll start with Nate. Uh, all right, so I've got Curse of Eons and Sealed the Elder Sign. Okay, Vase. I got the exact same as Nate, Curse of Eons and Sealed the Elder Sign. Clearly not Sealed the Elder Sign. Let's go for Man from Lane. B, E, and F. B, E, and F. Okay, so in this case, Nate and Vase both got three points yes unfortunately it was seal of the elder sign not the seventh sign that did not have the arcane slot seventh sign is the one with the shattered mirror with the creature's reflection on it yeah and that does have the arcane slot yeah so close because you are correct on uh f (laughs) the shining trapezohedron trapezohedron does not have an arcane slot. Damn, so, I was going to choose that, but I couldn't remember if that was just an artifact or that. Oh, we know. 
Still, still a close game. Anybody could take it. Yeah. Going into this next one, uh, what's what's an object, a common object that's found on a lot of seeker cards, books, right? There's a crap ton of books. Trust me, there are more books on those cards than there should be, but some of them do not have books. In this question, we're going to go for cards that do not have books. Here we go. A. Preposterous Sketches B. Guidance C. Glimpse the Unthinkable D. Abigail Foreman E. Seeking Answers and F. Shrewd Analysis Once again, do not have books in the picture. Here we go. A. Preposterous Sketches B. Guidance C. Glimpse the Unthinkable D. Abigail Foreman E. Seeking Answers and F. Shrewd Analysis The man from Lang, how many do you want to do? Um, three uh, Nate? Three And Vase I'm going to go for three, but it's a long shot <laughs> Okay, we'll start with Vase Okay, uh, I'm going to go Preposterous Sketches Glimpsy Unthinkable Seeking Answers Okay, Nate? Same, Prop Sketches, Glimpsy Unthinkable and Seeking Answers and Man from Lake. I'm going to go B, C, and E. Unfortunately, nobody got any points this round. The answers are preposterous sketches, guidance, and seeking answers. Yeah, Glimpse the Unthinkable, in fact, does have a book in the picture. But hey, at least it was fair. Nobody got any points. Heading into the final home stretch, we got three questions left. It's anybody's game. Minimum three, maximum 15, if you don't count whiffs. Here we go. These are weaknesses, not curses. So they're all weaknesses, but which of these are not curses? Here we go. A, dendromorphosis. B, drawing the sign. C, haunted. D, the thing that follows. E, day of reckoning. F, Dark Pact. Once again, A, Dendromorphosis, B, Drawing the Sign, C, Haunted, D, The Thing That Follows, E, Day of Reckoning, and F, Dark Pact. Nate. I'm going to go with one. Base. I'm going to go for three. got to catch up to Nate. And Man from Lang. Well, let's go for three, too. Man from Lang, start us off. C, D, and E. C, D, and E. Okay, base. Uh, Dendromorphosis, the thing that follows, dark path. Okay, and Nate lost in time and space. The thing that follows. Nate, you get a point. Woo! Dendromorphosis, haunted, and the thing that follows are all curses. Drawing the sign, day of reckoning, and dark pact are not curses. That was tricky. Um, this next one's, I think this one's pretty fun, and there's going to be a bonus point hidden in here. These are cards that do not have a subtitle. So right below the title of the card, sometimes the card has uh, a little fun saying or an, a subtitle below it. Here we go. A, Anna Caslow. B, the Council's Coffer. C, Hemispheric Map. D, the Red Gloved Man. E, Timorn Brand. F, Favor of the Sun. Once again, Cards with no subtitle. A, Anna Caslow. B, The Council's Coffer. C, Hemispheric Map. D, The Red Glove Man. E, Time Worn Brand. F, 
favor of the sun. Nate. Uh, three. Let's go. Uh, man from Lang. Two. And base. Two. All right, Nate, we'll start with you. Uh, we've got the hemispheric map, time-worn brand, and favor of the sun. Base. I was going to go for favor of the sun, and I decided not to, so I'm going hemispheric map and time-worn brand. Okay, and man from Lang. E and F. E and F. Okay, so, Vase, you get three points. Man from Lang, you get three points. Nate, you get five points. Oh, let's go. Come on. Anna Caslow, Council's Coffer, and the Red Glove Man all have uh, subtitles. Can anyone tell me what the subtitle for the Council's Coffer is? This card is garbage. <laughs> something about the thirteen chose it, or something like that. Or the what's in the box? Oh, what's in the box? Isn't that great? <laughs> it reminds me of the Wheel of Fish uh, UHF episode. What's in the box? So good, Red Snapper. Nerd! All right, here we go into the final question. Investigators not part of the 69 Club. Nice. What do you think that means? Uh, what? Correct. Investigators <laughs> did not have a 6-9 or a 9-6 stat line, or uh, <laughs> health and sanity. Okay? So it doesn't have to be 6-9. Uh, it could be 9-6. Okay? So obviously an investigator with, this, with a health and sanity of 7-7 seven, seven would qualify because they would not be part of the 6-9 club. Here we go. A, Leo Anderson. B, Zoe Samares. C, Mary Lambeau. D, Rex Murphy. E, Skids O'Toole. F, Carolyn Fern. Uh, she is a botanist, in case she did not. All right, one more time. Not part of the 69 club. Leo Anderson. Zoe Samares. Marie Lambeau. Rex Murphy. Skids O'Toole. And Carolyn Fern. We'll start with Man from Lang this time. How many do you want to do? Two. Okay, Nate? Yeah, fuck it. Three. Okay, Vase? Two. Okay, we'll start with Vase. Uh, Leo and Skids. You were saying Leo Anderson and Skids O'Toole are not part of the 69 Club. That's right. Nate? Uh, I'm going to say Marie, Rex, and Skids. Okay. Man from Lang. I'm going to say Zoe and Rex. Okay. So the points for this round all go to base. He got two yes. correct for three points. The answers are Leo Anderson, 8-6, Marie Lambeau, 6-8, and Skids O'Toole, 8-6. Zoe's a 9-6, and then Rex and Carolyn are both 69s. They are definitely doing the 69 club. Did, did I take Nate back to school? Um, no, he is still at the head of the class. Oh, yeah. come on. So final scores, Nate 15, Vase 12, Man from Lang 8. Although, I'm not going to lie, it was really funny to have him catch up quickly during the first couple questions. So what, uh, what are your thoughts on that format? Was that kind of cool, or do you like the kind of hodgepodge different categories better? I like that. That was fun. That was fun. I like it. I think it's a great format. And then once in a while, switch it up for something else. But for the most part, I do like it a lot. Man from Lang? It was good. I lost, so I'm bitter. Right? <laughs> hey, I have not won a single one of these trivia games. So 
I've, I've ended all of them with zero, if it'll make you feel better. Well, we could try this. I'd like to also hear from members of the community. So if you want, you can message us on our uh, Discord. You can send us an email. Uh, you can write snail mail. I mean, it truly would at the end of the day, however you want to communicate. Well, I guess we'll uh, end it on a bit of a thud. And I think <laughs> next time... What? Yeah, what's going on there? What, 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 what the next happened? time we record, uh, Scarlet Keys will be out, right? In, I believe so. Yeah, I believe it comes out in a couple of weeks. Nate. So that should be out by then. So we'll have some new stuff and to talk about. Nate. Indeed. You did not yes. talk about the charity event. Oh, very true. How can you forget that, dude? Because uh, it's one in the morning. That's oh, how yeah, I can that's forget. Right. <laughs> uh, yes, we are. I am planning on running uh, the charity stream event, uh, Ho- uh, Horrors Without Borders, uh, sometime early in 2023. Haven't landed on an exact date yet. We're still uh, looking for people to fill in time slots. So if you are interested in. Uh, joining in on the festivities and helping us raise money for Doctors Without Borders, uh, you can reach to me or you can email Carolyn Fern the Botanist at <laughs> gmail.com. For real this time, you can actually do that yes, you uh, can. <laughs> uh, to get in contact with us about uh, possibly uh, participating in the event or learning future details once those uh, kind of come into place and the stars align. Uh, I will certainly be mentioning it throughout uh throughout the next few months as well so be sure to stay tuned and we will uh, we will keep you updated with more details as the time closes um but i think that's going to do it for this episode uh, before we close out i do want to thank the patrons of our show they have been really great in helping come up with episode topics along with just being great people in general so we're planning on a three table uh machinations of time game at some point so if you're interested in playing and you are a patron you can either hit me up on discord or uh, shoot me a message or email and i will uh keep you in the loop about uh, when that game is going to happen uh there's also been clamberings for a full-time trivia episode nathan so we'll have to um We'll have to get together and arrange that at some point as well. I've talked to some people behind the scenes about uh, coming on as guests as well, so I thought that'd be fun. So hopefully we'll we'll get that arranged soon as well, and we can, uh, can have a fun trivia time with everyone. But I think that's going to do it for this episode. I've been your host, Nate, and joined with me was my fellow co-host... I'm the man from Ling, host of the Whisper and Darkness YouTube channel. I'm Innkeeper Vaisodin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. And this is Nathan Strudel Champion and Jester the Abyss coming at you live. We thank you for listening.
I work at a newspaper and the newspaper industry is in such dire straits. For a while there, it seemed like the only people advertising in the paper were the sex shops. So I felt like I should go and, you know, I don't need 20 dildos, but I'll go <laughs> buy them just because then I can show the, you know, show the, the guy. It's just like advertising in the newspaper works. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all the business you're getting. Oh my God. Weren't you here last week? Yeah, yeah. But I never left. <laughs>